and writers and playwrights and even poets and so on that gives us our, our the things that we think about the things that we turn around in our heads that influence us greatly and sometimes it's for the better or the worse it all depends but the controllers love to use statistics and we are probably in the worst time of information gathering ever devised and I don't think it has simply evolved this way
fired from messages about colleagues on their MySpace sites. The Florida Sheriff's deputy, whose MySpace page revealed this heavy drinking and fascination with female breasts, and swiftly found himself handling in his badge the Argos worker in Workingham fired for saying on Facebook that working at the firm was SHIT. The Las Vegas teacher at a Catholic school fired after declared himself gay on his MySpace page. The staff of an Ottawa grocery chain fired for their negative comments on Facebook. The 19 Northampton police officers investigated for Facebook comments and Kevin Colvin, an intern at Anglo-Irish Bank, who told his employers he had a family emergency, but whose Facebook page revealed he had, in reality, been cavorting in drag at a Halloween party. What these and other cases show is that employers and authorities are now monitoring what people imagined were private websites and using the contents against them. Last September, David Rice, Britain's second-ranked tennis junior, and Naomi Brady, the national U18 champion had their funding pooled and coaching suspended after the Lawn Tennis Association found pictures of them drinking beer, parting, and in Miss Brady's case, post- posing at a nightclub with her legs wrapped around a vending machine. I've heard some people will do anything for money. And last summer, Oxford University proctors disciplined uh, students after pictures of them dowsing each other in shaving foam, flower, and silly string, and post-exam revelry were found on their Facebook pages. At Cambridge, at least one don has admittedly discreetly scanned applicants' pages, a practice now widespread in job recruitment. A survey revealed by Viadio said that 62% of British employers now check the Facebook, MySpace, or Bebo pages of some applicants and a quarter had rejected candidates as a result. Reasons given by employers include concerns about excess alcohol abuse, ethics, and job disrespect. Viadio's UK County manager, Peter Cunningham, said the results should act as a wake-up call to anyone who has ever posted personal information online. Millions of people are leaving personal information online, much of which is cached, and remains available via search engines even after the author has removed the web page, he said. When people who are not the original intended audience, such as potential employers, find this information, it can have a major impact on their decision-making process. And it goes on and on to show you how government agencies and police and so on are all tracking everyone else right down the line to little old you. And it's been done with the voluntary help of the people involved. That's the big part of it. Who would have thought uh, that privacy would be given up so easily, so easily, by the vast majority of people? And now, of course, in this brave new world, they've said there'll be a world without secrets and that everyone's information eventually will all be up for grabs. And that will be used as a form of social control with social approval and social disapproval as they keep changing new normals. And that's what they'll do in this system, constantly give you new normals. And we're supposed to adapt to it. And if you don't, they'll all point at you and make strange sounds when you're walking in the street. 
like the sci-fi movies, and you feel terribly, terribly alone. That's social disapproval. Uh, the problem, again, with the, all of this is that it seems to be the mass man and woman who are a composite character, really. Most of are composites of indoctrination, uh, their environment, their immediate environment, and their, their family, or whatever kind of family they have nowadays, their composites, plus the media, uh, fiction, television, movies, sitcoms, all the rest of it, they become composites, and they think that's their personality because they haven't really developed their personality. And what people do today is simply do what's approved, and what is approved is promoted from the top down. And I've gone over that before regarding culture creation, because that's what it's to do with culture creation. Those in power in any era have understood this, it's a silly thing to think that that past dictatorial systems didn't have their pulse on the public and that things just got away from them and somehow we gained some kind of freedom by pure chance that it ran away with itself. Nothing happens that way whatsoever. What you've had for a long time, especially the last 300 years, is an old elite trying to get back the power they think they lost when they gave us this idea of democracy. Democracy never ever became fully bloomed. It was cut off halfway in flower. And that was by intention. They gave democracy to the public as a, a band-aid, basically, to stop revolutions from happening. And now we don't need that anymore, and they simply want it all back into their hands. And today it's called public-private partnerships. The idea being that for about a century, the publics of most countries would pay for all the big services, the big, the big things which you need in society to run society, such as your rail, your roads, and all the rest of it, your energy supplies, you'd build up the facilities, only to see being handed away for a few pennies or cents to the private corporations that just happen to live across the street from the main parliament buildings, or your, your Congress Hall, the lobbyists, as they call them, the ones who are listened to without a problem and can always get an audience with the right person within the building. Uh, that's what democracy is really all about. It's power and money and payoffs is utterly corrupt, in fact. And it's not simply happened recently. It's been like that way for an awful long time, maybe forever. We know that the only example we ever had in people trying to get freedom without going the whole way into communism was the United States. And even though there were various differing parties involved at the setup, and even though there was Masons all involved with it, the general populace at least were left for a while with some kind of rules and regulations which safeguarded them. However, they've been taken away very quickly. And how you take them away down through history is always the same. You take them away under the guise of protecting the people, keeping them safe. So you take all their freedoms away to give them safety and security. Now that's what Benjamin Franklin meant when he was asked what type of, of government 
that the people had given the majority of the people. And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. These guys knew their history. They were well-educated, much better than they are today. And if you don't know your history, it will be repeated. They're watching the repetition right now. The only difference being the big armaments arrayed against the public are not simply that included with big armies and so on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Sorry for all these technical difficulties, but I am not hearing the, the breaks when they come in on this end here. But I think we've got one caller, and that's Rick in California. Are you there, Rick? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me, Alan? Alan? Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay, yes. I wanted to talk about three things. Um, the first one is... Um, when I was growing up, um, I, had, I grew up with eyeglasses, and people made fun of me, and I felt, you know, lesser because I had, you know, they call me four eyes and all this stuff. So I started looking into the laser surgery and, and some of the new age things out there. This is back when I was a lot younger and a lot more ignorant, you know, for self-improvement, like relaxing your eyeglasses and every, relaxing your eyes and everything. But then I, I started to notice, I started to, to, to look at the leaders, like Richard Pearl and Rumsfeld and Cheney and the elites, and... They all wear eyeglasses, and, and you'd think they'd, they'd have a better, uh, a more scientific, more advanced thing, but they don't. And, and I thought, well, you know, these guys uh, seem to have understand something. You know, I wonder why they don't. Uh, so I'm wondering what, what well, you you'd take? be surprised how many of them actually do. What they do is they use reading glasses. Oh. But, uh, but they've all been uh, for the other problems with their... You'll hardly ever see a politician who's running wearing regular eyeglasses all day long. Mm. Oh, yeah, they've all had that for years. Yeah, and it will but... matter soon because they have implants now to go into your eyes very shortly, coming in about two years' time. They'll interface with your retina because eventually you won't need a computer screen. You'll see it inside your, basically inside your mind. Yeah, see, now, well, then I saw this global vision thing. It was like a, um, an advertisement. I'm, I'm very skeptical now, but it had the G up, upside down and the G... It was a laser vision company. It had a G upside down and a G right side up, and I'm like, with a dot in the middle. I'm like, up, oh, as above, so below. And, you know, I saw the G, and I thought, wow, you know, that was some symbolism right there in corporate, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, the symbols are all through the corporations. That's, that's, that's basic, yeah. There's no doubt about it. And I just wanted to bring up, um, I ha I've been having conversations with people, friends or people I've known for a while, and <clears throat> associates, and, I'd say, you know, well, I, we start talking about politics and, and what's happening in the world, and I say, well, you know, you ought to check out Alan Water, or I'd say you ought to check out Alex Jones, and, and uh, what's, what's, got, what's happening is the Freemasons are running the world, and, and they have a plan, and, and then people will come up forward, and they say, well, I'm a Freemason, or I'm a Rosicrucian. One guy said to me, I'm a Rosicrucian, and, and, and you're, you're demeaning us, or you're categorizing us. You know, they'd say that, and usually they're all at the bottom, and then I, well, I'd say, and then I'd bring yeah. up Albert Pike, and I'd say, well, yeah, but you're, you're considered profane, according to the big boys. And, you know, yeah, what, you, what, you find, what you find is that, that you, they always, like everything else, you always have your, in fact, Albert Pike called them the front, the, basically the portico, they're, they're like a skirt around a woman at the bottom, the bottom part of the skirt, mm -hmm. and that's the masses of Masons, and he said they're no different from the, from the regular population, really, and, but the act is a good defense because they do the charitable work, they 
when they're asked questions, they'll, they'll stand up, they'll, they'll, they'll say what they've been taught, basically, which is, is, is a moral thing, like a self-improvement thing, yada, yada, yada. But when you go into Albert Pike's higher writings and you take the connections between the revolutionary societies, which are completely intertwined, in fact, uh, from their own writings, read Trotsky's My Life, he tells you about Masonry, he was one, he joined it. And he was writing an encyclopedia of Masonry at the time when he was killed, uh, assassinated. Uh, so these guys are all intertwined. And Pike, too, talked about the end, eventually, of private property and all the usual goals that we have today. Uh, and, of course, the, the natural aristocracy running the world. So it's an elitist thing at the top. What even the Rosicrucians at the bottom don't know, or the Masons, is that it's also a eugenical program because all through the books, and I have stacks in them here, Mm. Uh, to their books, they keep um, talking about teaching their children uh, how to pick the right partner, how to get young, the young female offsprings. I had the grandmaster even in, in the area teach them all the right virtues, yada yada, to make her the perfect mason's wife, and all this kind of stuff. It's all to do with with breeding, inbreeding into a perfection of the race. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was having a um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine too, a woman. I'm kind of interested in, and uh, she uh, she said, well, you know, because I said I'm against Jessica's law because, you know, they want to uh, put bracelets on everybody, and she said, well, I think they should put a microchip on people and people and these prisoners, these sex offenders, and and, yeah. and she gave, she gave an example of a person who abused his wife and and how the, the bracelet didn't help, and I said, well, the microchip's not going to help either, and that's not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Most folk are they're not conscious. You realize that they don't think anything out. Yeah, I was because they've not been taught to think. What they do is they sit back and allow the experts on TV to give them their opinion. Yeah, and everything on TV is presented in such a way you'll come to the desired conclusion, thinking you're reaching it by yourself according to the evidence they're showing you. Uh, and it's as simple as that. They don't think beyond. They don't think about the misuse or abuse of anything. They they, they will always go for the next step of slavery. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, when I said you know, when I said to her, that's not gonna, you know, all it does is track location. It's not gonna help, not gonna do it, change anything. And then she said, well, well, that's why we we need something like a, a, a clockwork orange. And, and this one was, yes. yeah, she seemed intelligent, but you know, it's, there there she goes, you know, right into the um, yeah. <laughs> so you understand, there's a difference, big difference that's been very muddied and confused, mm-hmm. and it's intelligence as opposed to educability. Now, you can train parrots to speak, you know. Yeah. You can train monkeys to do jobs. Being a good parrot doesn't mean you're intelligent. It means you're good at repeating. And uh, you're very well easily educated along a certain path. Now, the other term for education is indoctrination. Ah, okay. Okay. Thank you very much. So, I'll be back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
and some are suffering anxiety about what they do when they finish school already. Yeah, I, I understand that you're supposed to make your mind up at school what you're going to do for the rest of your life. But this adult mindset means Generation Z will become the most educated generation ever, social analyst David Trock said. Now, he's a propagandist, obviously, who's going to push the party line. They will have more degrees, certificates, and more diplomas than any other generation preceding them, and being forced to grow up younger will make them more street smart, he said. Really, if they were more indoctrinated, really. Generation Zs also faced an aging population and the lack of water, electricity, and housing, Mr. Chalk said. The likelihood is they may never buy a house. And that's true. Most of the young ones now will tell you there's no point in buying, just, as well as renting them. KPMG demographer Bernard Salt disagrees but admits houses may not become affordable until Generation Z reached mid-adulthood. When the baby boomers start to die off, the housing market could well be flooded with sales, he said. The looming recession would be a culture shock for disease who experienced unprecedented prosperity during their childhood, Mr. Salt said. After 16 years of economic prosperity, the probability is these will have experienced perhaps quite significant economic turmoil before they get to adulthood. That's going to make them a little more measured, reserved, and conservative. Social researcher Mark McCrindle believes the future is in better hands than ever. These will make great strides to deal with these challenges because it's real left fingerprints on them from the youngest years and will inform their life choices, he said. Just don't expect a revolution. Yeah, don't expect that. These are more sophisticated generations who will use technology and their own small networks and innovations to make a difference. So in other words, the children are growing up exactly as it was planned. Their indoctrination from, from a very early age is taking effect very well. It's all they know after all. It's all they've been taught, what's been drummed into them, and what's been parted from their cartoons. In cartoons too, that's all you'll see now is cartoon characters talk about the environment and bio-friendly and all this kind of stuff. And it becomes part of the child's terminology and part of their thoughts. They don't question, they don't think they're being lied to, but why should they think they're being lied to? It doesn't dawn on them. It doesn't dawn on them. Now we'll go to, to Telly from California. Are you there? Yes, I am, Alan. Hello? Thanks for taking my yeah. call. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, first of all, I look forward to uh, some of your regular callers. I like Rick, who's out here in California somewhere, too. He always has a lot of good points. And uh, I'd like to... Um, Thank Linda, who does a lot of the English transcripts. I do want to start uh, making copies and placing them places. And my call, the reason I'm calling is uh, if there's any Spanish translators that could do it as well, it would just be great to have, like, one page English, one page on the other side Spanish, because there are yeah. a lot of Spanish people out here in California, and I have a lot of Spanish friends. I just don't speak it. And... Uh, Somebody last week was talking about how people that are from Mexico, they, they're very receptive because they've lived in a tyrannical type of environment. So yeah. I, I was just uh, hoping that uh, any Spanish translators could uh, possibly keep doing it so we can get the word out there to all the races. Yes. Uh, but there are, there are some translations available on, on what... Uh, uh, Sentinel.eu. Yeah, the, the last one is November seventh. Yeah. Yeah, 
that's where the main one's been on, on uh, what's between school terms and so on. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'll wait for more coming in. But, uh, and I also have another one applied as well, which I'll have to get back to. Okay, and I'm sure you're very busy. Sure, sure. It, it takes a while too, but in translation it takes quite a while sometimes. Oh yeah, I can imagine. They try to get the concepts from one language into another without losing too much is quite the challenge. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Anyway, I just like to throw it out there, and uh, I enjoy listening to uh, the show, and um, I'll keep listening and doing what I can. Okay. That's it. Thanks very Thank much. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Now, there's, there's Eric from Ohio there. Are you there, Eric? Hello. Hello. How are you, Alan? How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing Hello, pretty Eric. good. Well. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a meeting, a kind of a New Age um, movie kind of thing that they had a, at a local Carnegie, Carnegie Library down here. Yeah. Uh-huh. And... Uh, when they got done, there were some ladies out there in the hallway talking about us stopping to eat meat because the meat and the cows were causing greenhouse gases and the greenhouse gases were... <laughs> and uh, I remember yeah. you talking about that like 10 years ago that something like that would come about and it actually is here now. Um, yeah. So how much sooner will they say we need to get rid of people because people breathe too much? Uh that's already been discussed amongst them. They're, they're starting to discuss population reduction. Uh, they're, they're discussing uh, should, should the unfit be left to live, you know, those who are crippled and so on, how they define them as unfit. All the old Nazi stuff is all intertwined, as you know, mm-hmm. with the, the theosophy of the, what they now call the New Age. And in fact, Hitler was a great fan of uh, old Blavatsky there. He had uh, her book there, so did a lot of his top leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the same old agenda under many different names. It's always the same agenda. And I keep telling people Nazism is always associated with one country as a, as a national thing, that that's really how it manifested part of its system there. It was, in fact, international. It's a philosophy. It's a complete philosophy well, of it, life. It's always looked at as being nationalism, but from what I understood was it was to bring the, 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 the German culture out internationally is what they wanted. That's right. Um, That's right. And also, that science should also be the lead of it. Science, uh, the intellectuals, um, bureaucracies, again, that would run the system and make this wonderful utopia. But again, it was going to be stage managed by those at the top who decided who should live and die and who was fit to breed and all the rest of it. People don't realize there was a breeding program involved in that, that whole scenario. And it didn't start with Hitler because other... People who followed Blavatsky had, had, like George Bernard Shaw, Man and Superman, you know, the book that he wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these characters have been uh, fans of Blavatsky, the Fabian Society characters, and uh, it's the same agenda. It's the same agenda all through different countries, uh, even at the Darwinist era and so on. All that comes from through the same, the same philosophy of eugenics and superiority. Yeah. Well, I just recently am completing a book right now called War of the Week by Edwin Black in which he traces back pretty much who, who, how the modern eugenics movement started and what their yeah. views were. And you just see all these elite names from the turn of the century in America and in Britain. And uh, yeah. they didn't, man, they, they had no, no belief, no empathy for anything that was, uh, or anyone that was not uh, fitting the mold they wanted to fit. Uh, yeah, they actually and, and went into different... They actually went into different parts of, like, Appalachia and just um, 
uh, would sterilize these people because they thought this was the thing to do. Yeah, and that went all the way up into the 70s, in fact, I believe. No, yeah, no, no, no sense of, of wrong about this. This was something that they needed to do. Big convention. Well, scientific, you see, it's scientific. The new religion is science. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And so you can add, add statistics and all that stuff and how they'll be outpaced by all the inferior types if they don't kill them off. And it's all about these graphs and all the rest of it. Going all the way back to Thomas Malthus, same old stuff. Oh, you'll and, see them. Uh, the money that, that came to run this stuff was like the uh, Carnegie Foundation, mm -hmm. uh, the Rockefeller Foundation. Um, yeah. You had people from Johns Hopkins University, Princeton University, Harvard, Yale, University of Chicago, of course, um, all of them pushing this whole idea that we needed to get, that the unfit people needed to be eliminated. Yes. In, in the same names of the elite that you're always used to hearing everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of amazing to me. And uh, I was, I've heard you talk about this over and over, but it's really quite outlined in the book, and it's quite shocking. Yes. It's the same agenda. It goes under many different guises and names, and uh, like a phoenix bird, it transforms itself into the next new name for the next era, the new freedom, whatever they want to call it, or even the, the, the freedom of, of Thatcher's system, the sort of new type of democracy, the neocons, and call, they call themselves then. That was when you first heard it. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same agenda unfolding under the guise of freeing and more liberty than actually uh, using more science and more techniques to take power from the people so they can, they can start killing them down. I don't think people realize from Margaret Thatcher's time on uh, the, the health care and all the other services that the British people had built up to help them were all pretty well destroyed and taken over and privatized and all the rest of it and, and that the public have less and less and less and the class system is back well and strong back in Britain and other countries and they've even shown through statistics and data, their own statistics in fact uh, that if you're born in one part of England your, your chances of surviving past five years of age now are decreasing uh, as it was a hundred years ago. That's, that's what it's falling to now. So where you're born in England now will depend if you've got a good chance of survival or not. Yeah. Well, health care is, is probably going to be dealt out in some sort of eugenics means, too. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. In fact, well, I, mean, I think our... a lot of the inoculations yeah. is all to do with that, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it was nice talking to you, and you have a great show. And, and thanks for, for calling. All righty. Now I've got uh, Steve from New York. Are you there, Steve? Hey, Alan. How are you, sir? Not so bad. Okay, I just want to um, give you a call just to thank you for your website and also the uh, free videos you put online. Um, no really questions. I'm just showing my appreciation, and I hope you have a good night, sir. Thanks very much for calling. Yeah. Yeah, that's good because uh, appreciation is always, always helpful. Plus, people, too, remember, can contribute and keep it going. So I don't sell a lot of stuff here. And now uh, there's also Tim from Indiana. Are you there, Tim? Hey, yes, I'm, I'm here. Hey, um, just a couple, couple things. Uh, one big observation. Um, I read uh, William Cooper's Yoda Bell Horse like a while back, and he was talking about, like, you know, how they introduce AIDS and how they kind of you know, had, like, little things in the paper saying, you know, come test this out. I think it was like in New York or San Francisco or whatnot. But anyway, I was uh, reading like a lo little local paper here where I live at, and uh, 
I don't want to say the name of the company, but there's like a little article that says like healthy male and such and such company needs healthy men to participate in a medical research study. And it just uh-huh. says to, to qualify, you have to be a healthy male, age 18 to 45, blah, 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 blah. But it says participants will receive compensation for up to $4,100 and um, for time participation may get some personal satisfaction knowing that by volunteering in this clinical trial today that they may be helping improve medical outcomes for future generations. But, you know, looking at that advertisement, they show like a picture of a kind of a, you know, just a, you know, an average male, but it says healthy male, you need, you know, go this this little trial, 4100 bucks. Right now, a lot of people would jump on that, but, you know, who knows, who knows what they're, they'll be, you know, tested for, do, you know, I mean, who knows, that might be like the start of something else big, but I just seeing, seeing that, and it's just like, you know, it's just so blatant. Well, yeah, the, they always go for the, they always, they always do a booming business uh, when the unemployment's going up, and I see ads, too, in the front of the sun all the time for years on for these particular uh people to come forward, mainly, mainly students or unemployed people, and they, they, they give them all kinds of shots and doses and, and all the rest of it and studies. But it's easier in Canada because in a socialized system, you can follow them down through your life then and see what effects it has for the older lives. And uh, hold on, we'll talk about this after the break. Big, big profits, and they're also in for other purposes. When you have 
corporations that do with the mind and, and psychiatry and all the rest of it working together for control purposes and pharmaceutical agencies, you better be very, very, very careful. Be, beware of these characters because control is the bottom line. And you, you have no idea what they're actually testing you for, regardless of what they tell you. And, um, and uh, they're, they're so nefarious on it, but their past histories, you couldn't trust them at all. You, you honestly can't t- uh, trust these people. It's bad enough when they're a drug society out there because it's some kind of fake normal you're supposed to fit into that does not exist and never could exist in a, a, the complexity of, of human beings. But they give you this fake normal to fit into, and it's a pill now for everything. And the pills all have drastic side effects and consequences for those who take them. Never mind killing your liver or kill off your brain cells too. But uh, we've got to be so, so careful now because this is a commercialized society and everything's intertwined now. The ads have made us drop our guards. We've dropped our guards because of the advertising with all the smiling, happy faces and people with white coats who care. They're all actors on television. The people who do the ads and participate are not real doctors and all the rest of it. They're, they're actors. But you fall for these things and you realize that big corporations are very cold at the top and who don't give a darn about you, little old you, or if you're happy or not happy. That's irrelevant as long as the bucks flow. And it's so sad to see them now hand in hand with, with the governments and you have big pharma companies pushing inoculations as though they had, they had the right to do it. Since when do private corporations making big money uh, tell your government to give the public shots for anything? It's disgusting what's happening. Look into the latest flu shot, you'll find we're wrong again with the mix. They tell us that at the end of every year. From Hamish and myself up here in Ontario, Canada, where it's pretty cold, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.